Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, church. So happy to be speaking to you this morning, particularly as we start a new series, our Advent series. Now, I know some of you have probably seen the post about Advent series starting this Sunday and wondering, well, hang on a minute, why are we starting an Advent series? Advent shouldn't start till next Sunday. Well, you'd be absolutely correct. This weekend is traditionally the end of the church calendar. Next Sunday would, of course, normally be the beginning of Advent as we begin a new year running up to Christmas. But I just felt like, I don't know about you guys, but in this season, I find things move really fast, right? Like there's, there's often I don't have time to adequately process really what is, what is a super important period leading into the new year. Every year is like this hurry, there's a rush leading up to Christmas, it's crazy busy with your family and And it's like, ah, Christmas, and all of a sudden, it's a new year. You're there again. And this year, I feel like we have a lot to process. I mean, we've had a crazy 2020 by all scales, right? Which is why I think more than ever, we need the ritual of Advent. Now, Walter Bridgman puts it really well when he says that Advent is preparation for the demands of newness that will break the tired patterns of fear in our lives. I feel like that is a word for me right now. I need preparation for the demands of newness to break the tired patterns of fear in my life. This year has been like no other in that respect. So with your permission this morning, let's just take some extra time to reflect on this incredible nativity story. And as we look at the stories of those who waited, let us allow the Holy Spirit to prepare us for the opportunity that the new year make, brings us by making a much-needed fresh start for all of us. Amen. So today I want to talk about waiting, a really exciting topic, waiting. Now, that's kind of ironic already because I've shown that I'm not very good at waiting in the fact that I've prematurely started this Advent series, but let's just have some grace of each other, okay, guys? I mean, it's after the year that we've had, 2020, Let's all just stop being so legalistic about things, all right? So if you want to put up your Christmas tree, I think this is the year that you should be allowed to do it early. If you want to have your Christmas music on in the kitchen or at work, I think you should get a pass. It's 2020. Everything's permissible this year. But, you know, one person doesn't agree is my wife, unfortunately. She is adamant that we must wait with a few things. She's a bit of a traditionalist, although I must say that she has decorated our garden with lights that look suspiciously festive, if you ask me. I mean, if you don't believe me, you can come and check it out for yourself. But in our family, we do love Christmas. And I think that's true for many of us that live here, up here in the north. I think we all need that shot of coziness in, that the festive season brings in our chilly climate that is here in Sweden. So I'm all for it. I say let's jump right into it. Let's get on with this Advent series. Now, Advent, of course, is about the coming of something significant or someone. And that someone, of course, is Jesus. Advent for us Christians is a particular joyous occasion because we know that it culminates in good news, of course. Pastor Rich Valadas says, The good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting 
evidently we are not very good at that sometimes, but that God is faithful in his coming. The story of Christmas is a story of God's faithfulness in delivering joy to the world. There's a female out right there, joy to the world, woven into the story of the king's birth, which is what it's all about, is the stories of many others who experience joy in the incredible prayer answers and in God's faithfulness to the things that they long for in their heart. But you know, I think the most amazing part of these stories is not just that God came into their story, but they became a part of his story. So this Sunday, we start off our series by reading from Luke 1, 5, 25. So if you have your Bibles out and ready, let's just jump on into it right now. It's Luke 1, verses 5. Let's read. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, He was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Femala again, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are able to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, as we know, as the story goes, and that John, you know, he, he started to doubt a little bit and he questioned, how is this going to be possible? Which is maybe a bit understandable. But right there, uh, the, the angel Gabe, he realized, OK, this guy is going to be trouble. If I just let him blabber on, he's going to talk himself out of this. So I'm just going to shush him until this process is done. And the scripture says that when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And miraculously, after this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. Now, I don't know if there's any connection between him not being able to speak and his wife all of a sudden feeling, uh, becoming pregnant. Now, I would have thought not being able to speak would not be good for your romance, but evidently in this case, that wasn't the situation. Now, I'm just speculating here. I don't know if there's any connection between him being muted and her getting pregnant, but that's what I see in the scripture. Just an interesting little tidbit, side information there. But as we continue, continue and get back on track, Justin, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, this morning, I want to take some time looking at the story of Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is often just kind of relegated to a supporting cast role when we talk about the nativity. And I think that's a great injustice to not learn from the incredible testimony of God's faithfulness in her life. Elizabeth was someone after who had been faithfully waiting on God. 
Scripture says that both her and her husband were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. She herself, as we can read, was a dis- she was a descendant of Aaron, the head of the priesthood. She was a pastor's kid, a good church-going, Bible-believing, faithful follower of God. Yet we read that she was childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, the scripture says. Now, we don't know, of course, if she had a medical issue, if John had a medical issue. We don't know the reason why they didn't have children. But we know that in those times, it was often considered the woman's fault when a family was not able to have a child. And it was even considered grounds for divorce for a man. He was able to divorce his wife if she was not able to give him a child. And some even believe that it could be a sign of a curse over their lives. I don't know, maybe this is why Zachariah and Elizabeth decided to live out their advanced years in the hill country of Judea, where it was a little bit more secluded, where there was a little bit less people. Maybe they wanted to get away from all of the gossip from the big cities and their cutting words and the gossip that I'm, I'm, I'm sure took place in those bigger communities. I don't know the reasons why they lived there, but it's not hard to imagine that Elizabeth had a tough time staying faithful in her waiting. I'm sure that she felt the weight of shame over her, so much so that upon the news of a baby, upon the news of receiving something that she'd been praying for for so many years, we can see a little bit of an insight into actually what she had been praying for. She recognized that her prayer had been answered, not just in that she received a child, but that the disgrace was being removed from among the people. So she was fully aware that people were talking about her. She was fully aware of the judgment that was upon her and her family, that people were starting to question why she didn't have a child. Was God upset with her? Was this God thing not really working? Was she foolish to continue to be faithful in her waiting? So she was rejoicing in the fact that this shame had been removed from her. Now, it's kind of heartbreaking to think, I think, that, that we could be so cruel to those that are suffering. But then again, it's not so hard to believe, really, is it? I mean, today we show a little more grace with others on these particular matters, which are very sensitive even to today. But nonetheless, we suffer shame of a different kind, but it's still found in the waiting. You know, in our Instagram world of comparison and we're, we're always sensing a, a source of shame when we are constantly reminded of how we don't measure up to others or being reminded of the things that we don't have in our lives. So much so that Instagram actually just introduced the shop where you can buy the things that you don't have in your world. You don't need to wait. You don't need to feel shamed anymore. You can just buy it from their store. Now, of course, we are always wanting more in our life. We're always feeling like we don't have enough, that we're, we're ashamed of our apparent lack of the things that we wish we had, that we see in others. But you know, Isaiah 30, 18 kind of flies in the face of this logic when it says, blessed are all who wait for him. But of course, it depends what you are waiting for. Are you waiting for your situation to change? Are you waiting, waiting to just achieve something, to receive something? Or are you waiting actually on him? See, a lot of the time, I think we believe that we're waiting on God because we're hoping he's the one that's going to fix the things that we feel like are missing in our life. But actually, waiting on him has to be with a trust 
in his sovereignty above all else. We can't wait to receive before we surrender our lives to him. We can't wait to get before we give. See, because the cold truth of it is, God might never give us the things that we believe we need in our life, the things that we're asking for, but he will give you more than you ask, think, or imagine if you stay faithful to him. You might be shocked what he actually does give you. It might look very different. You see, because Elizabeth wanted a child and she got a prophet. She got more than she could ask, think, or imagine. And you, you hear testimonies of that over and over again. And that's just the way God works. But he's looking for us to, to show obedience, to show that we trust him, that we're willing to hand over our lives to him, and that we're willing to submit under his sovereignty because he's a good God and he gives us good gifts, that we can dare to trust him with our lives. Now, her story is one of faith despite the lack of supporting evidence, of perseverance despite the outside criticism that I'm sure she experienced. It's, it's one of inner conviction to keep on doing the right thing because it matters. It, it's one who is never saying the end justifies the mean. It's caring about character regardless of where it got her amongst man. You know, in the uh, Apostle Paul's ministry to the island of Crete, he found a culture that was opposite to the lifestyle that Elizabeth exhibited in her life, where lying, cheating, and cutting corners was an acceptable way to get ahead in society. And in Titus 2, 11 to 14, Paul had to remind the Cretan church that they were to be set apart, that they were to be counterculture, teaching them to never grow weary of doing the right things. Because if we do, we wait for the blessed hope. And those who wait on him will never be put to shame, just as the psalmist David said. Now, in the case of Zachariah and Elizabeth, I'm sure that there were people around them who despised them because of their innocence, because of their blamelessness before the Lord. I'm sure there were people who envied them because of their position and the heritage that they came from. And I'm even sure that there's people that pitied them because of God seemingly failing them. I'm sure they didn't lack voices in the world telling them to, you know, just, just chill out on this God thing. I mean, try something else because clearly this isn't working for you, Elizabeth. Now, there's people listening today, I have no doubt, who might have people in their lives. Maybe it's someone really close to you, a relative or a friend that is perplexed on why you would bother with church, why you would bother with this God thing. Why would you keep pouring your life into something when seemingly it's not working for you? And, and I'm sure at, at times you, you can grow weary yourself of just trying to keep this up in the face of outside criticism and self-perceived failures where you just feel like you keep stuffing up and you keep failing God. And you think, how much longer can I keep going? And you're growing tired of waiting for things to get better in your life. Well, I want to say to you, particularly this morning, that if you are putting your life in God's hands, you will never be put to shame. If we put our faith in him for our destiny, we will never be disappointed. That he will do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Your life will bear witness to his faithfulness and bring joy to others. 
Others may be very well be scratching their head today. But don't be surprised, because actually in the scripture it says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are not following him. But in time, your life will testify of God's goodness so that the doubters of today can become the faithful of tomorrow. And I've seen that over and over again in people in, in my world, wives that have been committed to God, have been faithful givers and attenders of church and continue to, to stand in faith for the husband's salvation, even in the face of criticism and negativity. And because of that lifestyle of, of just commitment and faithfulness, they've seen the husbands come to know God. They've seen friends come, come to salvation because of the witness of the testimony of their faithfulness throughout that time of, uh, of, of waiting, in spite of all the criticism, in spite of every piece of lack of evidence that might, that might be in their world. Because of their faithfulness, it's spoken to those around them so that others can share in the joy that they have already received. You know, Louis Guglio, I think he sums it up really well. He says, to us, waiting is wasting, but to God, waiting is working. That's how God is. For those who wait on him, there is no shame in waiting. Now, as we know, the, the angel Gabriel also visited Elizabeth's relative, the young Virgin Mary, with news that she too would give birth to a son and that he would be the son of God. Mary received this news with a little more faith than poor old Zachariah could muster. And so she was spared the mute treatment. And as we read later in the passage, it continues in Luke 1.39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. When Mary approached, a baby leaped within her. Gabriel did say that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And isn't that just the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Something on the inside of us rising up, whispering, that's Jesus. Now, of course, Elizabeth was speaking from her own experience when she said, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Because she had experienced God's faithfulness in her life, and now she was seeing it unfolding in those around her. Immediately, Elizabeth was overcome with joy because she knew that God hadn't just come into her story and given her a child, answered her prayer in removing the shame among the people around her. But she had become a part of his story, his story of salvation, and it was glorious. In Luke 1, 57 to 58, it says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have a baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. Now, an amazing thing happens when we, like Elizabeth, hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. When we stay the course, 
when we stay faithful, when we keep getting up and trying and, and trying to do the right thing, we might not get what we want. We might have to endure some criticism or shame among others, just like Elizabeth had to. But ultimately, God will not only meet us in our story, but he will use us to reveal his story to others, to those that we care most for, for those in our world, our friends, our family, those that might be the biggest critics of our faith today. Your joy can be shared with them as you become a witness to his faithfulness to all. I hope that message encouraged you this morning. God bless you.